the 2022-23 season at the McLaughlin Center Art Gallery features an impressive and diverse lineup of artists. The season was kicked off recently with an art talk led by artist James Cullinane, whose works are currently on display in the gallery. Other artists will include Susan Fecko, Stephen Benson, and Michael Elbeck. The season also includes an exhibition of works by Emory & Henry College Arts faculty members and another featuring the works of Emory & Henry Art students. The gallery, which is located in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts at Emory & Henry College, is directed by curator Joe Champagne. He is a professor of art at Emory & Henry College, and he is with me today in the studio to talk about the mission and vision of the gallery and its exhibition schedule this season. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Dirk. Glad to be here. Let's talk about the upcoming 22-23 gallery season. What excites you the most about this season? Well, we've got a great lineup of artists, uh, a very diverse diverse group of uh, media um, and uh, approaches to the arts and, and very high caliber. You just finished an art talk with the artist James, James Cullinane, and you had a well-attended event there. Talk about what he talked about in that art talk, and talk a little bit about the art that he has on exhibit now in the McLaughlin Center Gallery. Well, I think the, uh, the best thing coming out of his uh, art talk was uh, his intensity uh, as an artist and the fact that that he lived and breathed art and that if he, he couldn't make art, he didn't have a reason to get up in the morning. And I think that's something for, especially for students to hear that, you know, it takes that kind of dedication, but also for the general public to realize how much artists really put into their work and that it's not just a decorative uh, object to hang on the wall. He focuses a lot of his art on cultural and social issues. How does that come through in his art, and what did he say specifically about that approach to his art? He talked more about his uh, his art making approach more than the I think the the political uh, thing was a starting point. Um, but I think you don't even really need to know that to uh, to appreciate the work and his. Uh, his work is very abstract, and so it's very open to uh, interpretation, but it, uh, it does require uh, that degree of participation from the viewer that, you know, that equals his effort in, in creating the work. And one thing that was exciting about his opening, aside from how well attended the art talk in the opening was, was that uh, I think more than any other show since I've been here, uh, I saw so many groups of students standing in front of works and discussing them as opposed to treating it as a, a social event, which is part of you know, the gallery opening. Is that part of what you're trying to accomplish this season? More student engagement in the exhibitions, more usefulness of those exhibitions in the lives and the academic pursuits of the students? Um, yeah, that's always our goal. And I think that uh, I, was, I was so encouraged because I saw so many students there that were not in the arts. They were so actively enjoying the, the show that um, I think that they will be back and I think that they will spread the word. Um, it's a very exciting show. It's, it's, it's a huge number of pieces. Um, and it was, uh, it was curated, uh, guest curated by, uh, by the artist 
and his nephew, Liam Cullinane, who was my senior gallery assistant until he graduated and then went to work at the William King Museum. The William King Museum in Abingdon. In Abingdon. Let's talk about the this season, though, a little bit more. Were there some guiding themes that you were trying to strike as you were selecting the artists for this season? Well, as we uh, as we go forward, I, I, I work about two years in advance, and uh, artists are recommended uh, by the art faculty through our arts exhibition committee, which you're a part of, and... Um, we have student representation as well, which is how we found James, because Liam was our, our representative. Um, but what, what, I, what I need to do as a curator uh, to support our, our art department's programming is schedule artists in media that pertain to ongoing classes. Uh, so, you know, I'm, if I'm going to bring in someone who works in, in ceramics or sculpture, I have to make sure that they're on a semester that is 3D classes like that are being taught. And um, so it's a, it's a juggling act. Well, I noticed at the Cullinane Art Talk that there were a good number of people from the community, non-students who yes, were there. Are you striving to provide exhibitions that appeal increasingly to that audience? Well, not... We're not trying to cater to a specific audience. We're trying to broaden uh, the audience mm-hmm. uh, and 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 show them things that they normally you know would not see. So we're we're not trying to show them things that they necessarily are easy or expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the things that the pandemic uh, uh, brought about was that uh, I was forced to close the gallery and. Um, and then severely limit access. And what I did was take that time to uh, learn how to create uh, a virtual space. And so you can go on our website now and walk through an exhibition on your computer or your smartphone. And and, uh, so I think that allows us to reach a broader audience and the artists themselves publish that link. And so we're getting a lot more uh, attention there is a difference between your student audience, perhaps, and the community audience in terms of what their tastes might be and trying to broaden into that audience. Don't you find that the case? I think so. And, and I think if we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the art students, um, the, the, the art faculty, of course, want to find things that will be a teachable, you know, experience and uh, you know, both in the quality of the work, but also in the uh, one of the things about Cullinane is he has such a broad variety of media that he works in, but his imagery is consistent as he goes from from ink to to paint to physical objects. And um, but I think you know you have to realize that our our students, the general student population, are all members of communities themselves. And they're not uh, trained in the arts. Let's talk about the next exhibition, which is the Faculty Biennial 22. That may be an exhibition that will attract a lot of people from the community just because a lot of the artists involved with that are very much uh, connected to people in the community beyond the campus. Talk about the artists there and what the visitor to the gallery can expect from that exhibition. Well, you're going to have a, a lot of different media covered. Um, we have uh, we'll have five different faculty members, including myself. 
so we'll have uh, two artists working in photography, myself and, and Michael Wright, uh, very different approaches. And I think that's uh, an important thing for me because people tend to take photography oftentimes for granted as just illustrating something, you know, in real life. And when, when they see our work, they'll realize that that's really a limited view. Uh, and then we'll have Charles Goolsby, who is, I believe, going to submit works on paper this year. Uh, he's a oil painter a lot of the time, but he's also a printmaker and, and a draftsman. Um, and then, of course, Dan Van Tassel will be uh, doing 3D work. And uh, Catherine Schrenker, our newest uh, adjunct, is a graphic designer, so she'll be doing a series of, of uh, poster-type images. So you're going to get a wide variety of media represented yes. in this. And that's, I think, a great statement about the arts faculty and their diversified abilities. What do we want to look at in terms of how we're examining the quality of this exhibition? Well, of course, I'm biased there. I like to think the quality is very high, and it is. Um, and uh, I think one the the purpose of the biennial really is to uh, not only let let the community know that we're here and that and the students as well that we're working artists. We're not just telling them what to do and giving them assignments and requiring them to create. It is part of our lives, and it it also uh, I think particularly this year coming out of the pandemic, it gives us all a, a little bit of a kick in the in the rear to make some new work because you know that's one of the kind of guidelines we go by is no you know it's work within the past year do you find that students are inspired not only by what you teach them in the classroom but by what you show them as an artist i would certainly hope so and do you find that you've ever had students that sort of emulate your style when they're producing photography well um Probably not that much, really. They uh, are. We we have a. I teach photography one, and um, my students are mostly not art majors. So I've got ten students this year, and I've got two art students, and so I've got I've got athletes, and I've got science majors and musicians, and um, so it's a. My my goal is to help them find their vision, their approach, and um, I think that that's part of the the, uh, the strength of, uh, of our program is having that uh, requirement for a creative core uh, where the students have to take one class in the arts, and uh, I get a lot of students because uh, photography, they think, you know, oh, that sounds like fun, you know, and they don't realize how much work it's going to be, but once they get in there, they enjoy the work as well, but uh, it, it it, the arts teach them to to look at things differently, and so with that approach through the camera, they can apply that to whatever work they're in in the real world when they graduate. We have to go to a break, but I want you to talk briefly about the third exhibition of the season, which is the last exhibition of the semester, the exhibition by Susan Faco. Well, that's, that's a particularly uh, dear one to me. Um, you asked me what I was excited about this year. One thing that uh, Susan and I shared a studio in graduate school, and I haven't seen her in decades. And she is uh, running an art department at uh, 
a college in uh, North Carolina. And her work is just exquisite. And I, I kind of found her again on Facebook when she posted some new things. That, and, and I was so excited to see how much her work had, had changed and grown. And it's also going to be kind of a reunion. What do you hope that students will gain from that particular exhibition? Well, we scheduled, uh, we scheduled that exhibition to fall intentionally because uh, uh, Professor Van Tassel is teaching the crafts arts and crafts and uh, her work is uh, while very abstract and, and uh, is is very kind of hand made hand stitched hand you know multimedia works of fabric and paper and repurposed old fabrics and, and books and uh, and and just really varied so they're going to see a lot of different techniques but also see a really high level of quality and, and precision and creativity. Well, it's interesting you're bringing her to the gallery. This region is known for the large number of craft artists that it has. Do you hope to attract a lot of those people to her art talk as well as her exhibition? I, I certainly hope so, and I think we really need to, that's a, a really good point, that we need to really market that. I should be thinking about that since I'm on the the board of the Highlands Festival, but I'm new. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, let's talk more about that after the break. I, I, we want to talk when we come back about the future of the gallery and what ideas you might have for more community engagement. You are listening to Together Together, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and today I am talking with Joe Champagne. He is the curator for the McLaughlin Center Art Gallery. You are also listening to WHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Support for WEHC 90.7 Emory comes from Snow's Fine Meats and Provisions, a neighborhood butcher shop in downtown Abingdon specializing in locally sourced pasture-raised proteins, handmade deli items, and specialty goods. Open Tuesday through Saturday and online at Snow's Fine Meats, 160 East Main Street, Abingdon, bringing the old-fashioned butcher shop experience to your table. And from the Lincoln Theater, Presenting diverse artistic experiences, increasing awareness of local heritage and culture, and preserving the theater for future generations to enjoy. The Lincoln Theater is a home for music and culture in the heart of downtown Marion, 117 East Main Street, Marion, Virginia. Tickets and information at 276-783-6092, thelincoln.org. Welcome back to Together to Get There. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and today we are talking with Joe Champagne. He is the curator for the McLaughlin Center Art Gallery in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts at Emory Henry College. Joe, we were talking about the 22-23 season for gallery exhibitions. I want to talk a little bit more specifically, though, about the gallery and what you perceive as its mission. Well, um our stated mission 
is to serve the educational purposes of the college and the region through an ongoing program of rotating visual arts exhibits. And uh, so basically what, what that means is um, we're here uh, to expose the art students to real art and we've we bring in a very diverse and high quality artists. I've been really pleased with uh, every artist that I've been asked to try to get has agreed to show. The first thing I do is send them uh, pictures of the McLaughlin Center and the gallery because we have a, just a phenomenal facility. And uh, you know, I think that our gallery, what we do is, is equal to anything William King is is able to do, and we do it on a shoestring, of course, being an educational institution. But um, so, so the the art faculty use it, you know, for teaching purposes. But as we were talking about this before, we, you know, we, the, most of the time we're really kind of broadening uh, the interests of uh, other students and community members, and giving opportunities because we, you know we're in such a remote region, and to have two really wonderful uh, galleries available you know, in William King Museum and the, and the and the gallery here at the MCA is is amazing. It is interesting that you mentioned the William King Museum in Abingdon because they do provide a lot of high quality art to this community. I wonder sometimes though if the community is as receptive to the kinds and quality of art that both of those institutions are bringing to them, or if that's the case, if you see the mission as trying to grow an appreciation for the arts uh, more than trying to present art that the people of the region may have an affinity for. Uh, yeah, so, um, I, you know, William King has to, to walk that line because they're self-supporting, so they, they do that by having their um, antiques, crafts-type uh, gallery space. Um, and you know, like this this year, they had the the classic motorcycle exhibit, the art of the motorcycle, and that's wonderful. But they can have at least one one gallery with contemporary art, you know, and uh, walk that line. We only have a small space, and we only have five slots a year. And so, um, my goal is to to bring in art that's challenging, and also art that's approachable. And so, you know, for instance, I'm not going to have another abstract artist, uh, painter in the gallery this year. And so the uh, and the and the shows I'm scheduling coming forward, uh, we have a show with two two faculty members from uh, William and Mary who are who both paint still lifes with completely different approaches. We're going to show them together in the gallery. We're just going to divide it in two, and show people that. And, and as with students really see, well, look, there's more than one way to approach even a specific genre. But, uh, you know, we brought in, I've brought in documentary photography uh, several times. And this, this, this uh, spring we have a, a photographer who is, uh, it is documentary in the sense that he's photographing ongoing construction uh, in Florida. But his approach to that is more of... Uh, of, of a type of relic kind of feeling, you know, and, and it's very formalistic and, and it's color. And, you know, so the last photographer is black and white. And so the next photographer I hope to find, you know, somebody who's abstract. And so, you know, we, we try to, again, broad, not only broaden our audience 
understanding but broaden our appeal of, of our gallery and our programming. Getting back to the William King Art Museum, do you communicate much with them? I know that the art department at Emory & Henry has a relationship with the gallery, with, with the William King Gallery, and it's largely around student involvement with the William King Art Gallery. Right. Do you have any other kinds of conversations with them about what they're going to bring and how the McLaughlin Center Gallery might complement what they're doing or um, stretch what they're doing? That's the next step. Um, and Charles Goolsby has just met with them. I was unable to, to be there, unfortunately, uh, which I hated. Uh, but uh, Charles Goolsby, we mentioned before, he's an he's, artist. He's an artist and also the head of the art department and our division chair of the, of the fine arts. And um, he, he is the one basically who drafted that agreement with, with them, that partnership, which right now, up front, we've been focusing on the internship possibilities and exhibition possibilities for our students. Uh, but for instance, uh, last, uh, last season, um, I was able to loan a painting to the, uh, to the museum and work with their curator to, to put that, uh, because uh, she saw it in our, in our permanent collection and realized that it was a perfect fit for the, uh, the exhibit they had about humor. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that was off the wall for you know, a couple of months, and, and over there, William King. Do you think, though, that by linking up with the William King Gallery and maybe even other arts organizations like, say, the Arts Depot in Abingdon, that you can do more to advance an appreciation for the arts here in your own gallery? Yeah, I think that the, the more art that people see, you know, and, and realize, you know, maybe what they've been missing, that then you know that uh, will encourage them to look look around and see what else is is out there and i think that the uh, virginia highlands festival i mentioned that i've just joined the board as chair of the uh, jury fine arts uh, committee and um, so i was responsible for that exhibition at the arts depot and we were back to, we we're glad to partner with them again uh, we tried well they tried last year the uh the uh, higher education center, but we just didn't get the traffic there because you know it's it's even back out of the way off the off the off the interstate and uh, being right down in Abington where everybody was for the festival and the Arts Depot was wonderful and they're great to work with and so I was I really got to meet the director and and her her staff and um, they were very supportive in getting that installation done. You come to Emory & Henry from Virginia Intermont College, which yes. is now closed. But before it closed, it had a very robust visual arts program. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what's perhaps, based on that experience, distinctive about the Emory & Henry visual arts program. Um, sure. Well, I came from a, a, we had a small art faculty there. And, now, and we had a technical distinction of a photography department and an art department. But the uh, director of the photography program did that strictly for budget purposes. Uh, and because we had uh, probably at any, any given time about 18 to, to 24 majors in the painting and, and sculpture and, and uh, drawing and all. So we had three faculty over there. But we had at one point five photography faculty members. And we had anywhere from 45 to 75 photography majors. We were. Uh, second only to the equine program in uh, in size at that point, 
And uh, so it was very different. And with that many students, and we had, there's a lot more quirky quirkiness, you know, and artists are, mm -hmm. you know, very individuals. I like to, you know, tell people that, uh, that, that my job, you know, in the, in the gallery is basically herding cats, you know, <laughs> trying to keep the artists uh, on track and get them here when they need to be here. And, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, what I, I found here is that the, the culture is really different here, but not, not in a bad way, but uh, I, I find that the students here, I, we have a much more formal relationship with the faculty, but... But I, I, I still try, I teach the same way I always did, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I think, personable, you know, mm -hmm. with the students, I like to joke around with them, but, but, it's, uh, but they're very polite. It's, it's very, uh, it's a really pleasant uh, student body. Uh, and having such a diversity of, of uh, majors in my classes uh, is really interesting for me, and, and I find that very satisfying. I like teaching the entry-level classes most of all because I can, uh, in, a, in an upper-level class, you're trying to hone somebody's you know, vision, but in the beginning class, you're opening their eyes. Eyes are opening their eyes, and being a photographer who taught at an institution where photography was strong, do you find that there are students who would increasingly want to study photography here? Well, unfortunately, um, we just... Uh, don't have enough to offer those upper level photography classes at this point. And, and I'm really hoping that admissions can give us a little more focus on uh, recruiting art majors uh, because you have to have a certain critical mass to be able to fill those classes. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of recruiting the students as opposed to having the facility to teach them. Yeah, because I, I'll, I'll always have a student to be interested in taking another photography course if if it was available, but never enough at one time. And um, then, but we do have students who will take like my class and then they'll take the entry level digital class with Michael Wright. But uh, honestly, the, the non-majors just don't have the elective space, you know, in their schedules. Uh, you're suggesting perhaps we're not recruiting specifically for the opportunity in photography. Photography and, and the other art areas mm -hmm. as well. I think that's just not been an emphasis here. Well, let's talk about you a, a little bit, and then we'll have to end our discussion. But I want to know, you're an artist and a curator of a museum. Do you have an opportunity much these days to explore your own art? Well, the pandemic really kind of shut me down. Well, a lot of artists use that isolation for studio time. But as a photographer working out in the, in the, in the, real, in the outside world, I, I was just unable to work for, for, for all of, you know, last year because I just couldn't risk it. And um, uh, so I was able to, uh, between bouts of COVID, get out and, and photograph with a colleague uh, and produce a new body of work, uh, which is what I'll be showing prints from in the, the, in the faculty biennial coming up. Excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing that, and I know the public will enjoy it as well. Today I've been talking with Joe Champagne. He is the curator for the McLaughlin Center Art Gallery. We've been talking about the 22-23 exhibition series for the gallery, and we've been also talking about the Emerson Henry Art Department. Thank you, Joe, for being with me today. Thank you, Dirk. 
You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you have been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.